Today on Fuzzy Logic, we're talking about discoveries. We've got uh, one of the discoverers of the crazy peacock spiders in with us, and we're also going to look at dinosaurs and uh, some of those discoveries and many more around it. All that coming up today for your science on a Sunday, right here on Fuzzy Logic. Good morning, Canberra, and welcome to Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday. So great to have you here with us. Thanks very much to Irish Voice for the last hour, but now we're moving over from the Celtic world into the world of science, and very exciting it is. My name is Broderick, and it's a pleasure to have you with us on uh, this beautiful Sunday, 20 degrees outside. It's just looking lovely. And uh, speaking of looking lovely, I have two lovely people here in the studio with me, Big good morning to Ian. Hello, Rod. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you back on Fuzzy once again. Um, you're getting on more and more. It's yeah, I'm, I'm almost taking over now. You are. How, uh, how have you been yeah. finding Maybe your... we should swap seats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been finding it on Fuzzy? You're enjoying yeah, yourself? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've got fans out there. <laughs> a, a cult following now, I've heard. Yeah. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, and uh, making a fuzzy debut, joining us in the studio is Eddie Alois King. Good morning, Eddie. Hey, Brad. How you doing? Good, good. Fantastic to have you in here. And uh, we've brought you in for a very special reason, not only because you have a magnificent voice and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to grace our airwaves with it today, but because you've discovered a crazy little spider. Yeah, two of them. Two of two them. Two new species yeah. of spider. Yeah. That's what we want to talk about today. Today we're going to be all about discovery as much as we can and discovering new things, which is, look, in essence what science is about, isn't it? Um, but I think one of the, the most interesting worlds to discover things in is the animal and insect kingdoms, or the animal kingdom, which the insects fall into. As part. So you can tell I'm not a biologist. This is, this is where my science comes down. I did first year biology at university and then ignored it after that. But there's the animal kingdom, of which the insects fall into that. That's and uh, we're going to talk about some insects today, because... Uh, yeah, you discovered these crazy spiders. Look, let's start at the beginning. Um, you, you did this as part of your university work. Yeah, well, it wasn't. I was um, a PhD student at the time, but I wasn't actually studying anything to do with spiders. I was um, doing experiments with mice in, in evolutionary biology. But, um, but I had a mate who started visiting our lab from the United States. Her name's Maddie Girard, and she, she came over to work on these peacock spiders. And so I became her... Um, her right-hand man, her field assistant, and we headed off in the car a number of times to go kind of out on these spider-collecting road trips. Um, And we were lucky enough to stumble across this great little national park in Noesville in in southern (laughs) Queensland called Wandle Ranges National Park, where we... It's kind of like jumping spider mecca. We found these two new species within 20 minutes of getting out of the car. (laughs) No uh, It was amazing. Is it that easy to discover new spiders? Well, yeah, look, if you know what you're looking for, um, we we also kind of spend a week driving all over the country, finding very little before that. So, you know, (laughs) easy is relative. But, but yeah, once you know, once you've you've seen these these little guys, it's pretty easy to tell that you've got something new on your hands and that it's something that no one has seen before because there are so few of them around and they're so distinctive looking. 
You obviously don't have a fear of spiders then, if you're willing to go out there and look for spiders. <laughs> no, I don't, but um, but also these little spiders, um, I don't know if you guys listening in have seen peacock spiders before. It's worth Googling them. They're not your average looking spider. They're pretty cute and cuddly. First of all, they're tiny. They're about half a centimetre long, and that's the females. They're the bigger oh, wow. ones. The males can be even smaller than that. And... Um, and they are brightly coloured and they've got these... Uh, because they're jumping spiders, they catch their prey not by spinning webs and, and having um, their prey fall into them, but mm. by pouncing on them. So they've got these great big round eyes in the front of their face. Um, they've actually got eight eyes all together, but these two main ones that look like you know bin- binoculars at the front. And um, that gives them really excellent um, 3D vision for seeing pr- their prey. Anyway, so they're really fun-looking little spiders, and they're quite cute and um, and fluffy. So if you do have a fear of spiders, I, I'd recommend these guys are a really good place to start. So I guess we're, we're saying that they're almost the size of like a pinky fingernail? Would, yeah, would that be even, correct? Yeah, even smaller than yeah. that. Yeah. So so that's pretty tiny. How it's do you super, see? Like, obviously, the, the, I, I can see a photo in front of me right now, so I'm kind of cheating. But they're really brightly colored. Um, but still, it's, it must be pretty hard to see something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, it really takes a little bit of training. You, so to, to find them, um, there's nothing special to it. You walk out into the bush, into an area that looks like the right kind of habitat, something with a lot of low-lying um, scrub and, and lots of leaf litter. And you literally just walk around really slowly, looking <laughs> at your feet, and uh, and you'll see these little guys. That it's the easiest way to spot them is when they're moving. So because they're jumping spiders, they've got a distinctive little jumping movement, uh, yep. and so that's what you're looking for. These tiny little moving specks that are moving in a particular way. Um, you often get confused looking at, at flies that kind of hopping from leaf to leaf. They kind of can look a bit the same, but so if you imagine something like that. Um, that's what you're trying to spot and uh, once you spot them we've got this little apparatus called a pooda which is something that um, that arachnologists and other um, entomologists people who study insects will know about it's just really just a rubber hose with a little um, a little hard section at the end and a bit of netting in between the hard section and the rubber hose so you put soft end in your mouth and you put the hard end right next to the spider <laughs> and you give it a good hard suck and um, hopefully you suck up the spider and it gets caught in this little vial at the end yep. um, and, and the netting will stop it from flying into your mouth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hopefully. Um, yeah, so so we catch them and, and it's actually um, something that's, that's pretty easy to do once you know what you're looking for. And that's the thing about these peacock spiders that, um, you know, up until about five or ten years ago there were only um a handful of known species and now we're up to about 50 known species of peacock spider in australia most of them have been discovered just in the last few years and most of them have been discovered by enthusiastic amateur photographers who go out into (laughs) the bush trying to um to spot pretty little bugs to photograph um and so yeah there's a a bunch of a, a small group of really enthusiastic people who've been responsible for discovering this huge new diversity in peacock spiders around australia so they're doing a really excellent job which shows that you know if you're interested in that kind of thing it's something that you too can get involved yeah. in. yeah well i guess that comes under the the term of 
citizen science, which is becoming quite a a big sort of thing to do now, isn't it, Broad? Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. There's projects every year. I know we have uh, big ones in National Science Week that try to get people involved in, in science. Uh, one of the big ones last year was uh, a trans... Well, yeah, BioBlitz, I think they call them. Oh, have the BioBlitz, yeah. 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 They yeah. did one at, um, at Black Mountain, I think. They did a BioBlitz of Black Mountain, and it's essentially what it is is you go around and you try and identify all the... F- plants all the animals that you can see um i even heard that because one of my friends is a um is a conservation um act government worker here and she even set up nets to try and catch bats and those sorts of things to try and see what they can find um so yeah i guess this sort of stuff is 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 you know getting really really popular now and can you name a species of peacock spider after yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, Maddie and I, when we found these new species, there's two of them. Um, we we made up nicknames for them and uh, straight away because we needed something to call them between <laughs> ourselves. And um, we lovingly called one of them Sparkle Muffin. Uh, and it, it, <laughs> it's you know we we weren't we knew that it was probably unrealistic to have the actual scientific species name uh, as Maratus Sparkle Muffin. But, <laughs> um, so when we handed over these specimens to be um, formally described and put into writing, we kind of sent a few suggestions of some names that we liked based on our Sparkle Muffin nickname, and they didn't make it through. One of the uh, the Sparkle Muffin is actually officially called Maratus Jactatus now. Um, mm. What, what does Jack Tartus mean? I think you know? it's about jump. More. I'll have to double check that yeah, and get well, back we can to you. Check that in but the um, yeah. but uh, yeah. So, but Sparkle Muffin has was mentioned as it as this species nickname when it kind of hit the internet. So now, if you <laughs> if you Google Sparkle Muffin, you will find this guy. Um, Probably suggest putting on a safe search first <laughs> before Googling Sparkle Muffin, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> um, so, you know, he wasn't officially named Sparkle Muffin. The other, the other species, uh, we've, been, we've nicknamed it Skeletorus because this funny little spider looks like he's wearing like a Halloween skeleton costume <laughs> on the outside of his exoskeleton. He's got these beautiful painted white lines down his legs. Um, and, and this one... Uh, that's kind of a, a more appropriate name. So this Skeletorus did ended up being called Maratus Skeletus. <laughs> that's its official name. Um, and he's quite cool looking too. And he's unusual for a peacock spider because he's not brightly coloured like a lot of the others. He's mostly black and white with this great little purpley blue pattern down the centre of his abdomen. Yeah, very interesting. So I've been looking at these spiders. They are super colourful and super patterned. I mean, the, the, the black and white pattern of uh, Skeletorus kind of makes a bit more sense to, to potentially be camouflaging. Um, why, why have these other peacock spiders got these amazing bright colours on them? I mean, that, that doesn't help you hide in a, in a green forest. No, no, it's not about hiding. Um, it's all about the ladies. <laughs> <this one. laughs> of course. So it's only the, the males that are brightly coloured. All the right. females are actually really kind of dull grey-brown colours and much more camouflaged in their environment. Um, the males are really brightly coloured because these species are so visual they've got these huge eyes on the front of their head for hunting um that they've um they've evolved to use these amazing displays to attract females so the males are brightly colored mostly on the back of their abdomen 
and when they see a lady that they like what they'll do is they'll kind of lift up their abdomen and expand these flaps on the side of the abdomen to create this big colorful fan and then they wave the fan around and also wave their third their um their third legs around which are the longest pair of legs on this these guys mm-hmm. and they do these great um ritualized courtship dances to attract the lady spiders and um they kind of hypnotize them so <laughs> <laughs> because actually the ladies uh like most spiders the the females are bigger than the males um which means that if you're the female you're interested in is hungry you could become lunch so the males kind of dance for them until and the female sits very still and the males will actually keep their distance until they're they feel like they can get close enough and even then it's a bit of a gamble as to whether the female turns around and pounces on them or lets them mate with her so the whole thing is um They've got to get that dance just right yeah. because otherwise uh, they could be looking like a really fancy dancing lunch rather than mm. uh, an, an, an attractive male. It's, it's a pretty high-tech dance. I've got your, um, your Facebook page up here for the Peacock Spider, which I've shared on the, the Fuzzy Logic page. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook, then type in Fuzzy Logic, like the one with the autumn leaf, and you can see this Peacock Spider here. And, and there's this dance here. And it is. It's just like... They're waving to say hi, moving backwards and forwards. They're like, hey, look at me, 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 look at me. As this this colourful little fan just moves backwards and forwards. It's the most um, amazing little dance by this little creature. That's right. And just like the um, the pattern on the abdomen, the, that colourful pattern is um, is really specific to each species and that's the easiest way to tell the species apart at a glance. Yeah. Um, also, that dance is, um, is specific to each species as well and so each of the males uh, of a particular species will have their own um, very particular dance. And that's what my friend Maddie was studying in her PhD. She was kind of cataloging the dances of these spiders um, and having a look. The other thing that they do, um, apart from dancing, is they make these vibrations against the the ground or whatever leaf or stick they're on and um, and those vibrations, it's kind of like this really low drum and bass type beat and those help to attract the female as well. So that's another element in their whole um, courtship display. Um, and so Maddie was studying these vibrations and the dance and the, the fans and kind of putting it all together to have a look at the diversity in this, in this group because they are a hugely diverse group. Um, and and I think these differences in the courtship displays between males have probably helped to um, helped to push the the diversity to create all of these new species over time. Mm. So that's why there are kind of so many so many different kinds of peacock spider that with really different um, different characteristics is because it's probably all being driven by sexual selection yeah yeah that's really interesting and i'm assuming um that uh, these spiders must be able to see color as well because of the the brightness of, of these different colors on the the creatures is that right i think so yeah. i think so um i'm not 100 percent sure about how their vision works i know that they've got a really kind of sophisticated setup with their four pairs of eyes on different parts <laughs> of their head but um and i also know that all of the maratus um spiders have this kind of green film over the front of their eyes which makes them kind of reflective green which has something to do with their with uh, ha- has some kind of practical implications on their vision but i'm not quite sure what that is 
you guys might need to do some more research at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was just watching. I'm, I'm um, completely taken in. The, the peacock spiders have hypnotised me with their courtship displays <laughs> at the moment. I've been watching them. And they're crazy. And there's this, this great one here where the... Um, it appears that a male is, is seducing his female and, and just very slowly approaching her as he's waggling and waggling and waggling and then just about to get on top of her and then suddenly the female moves and the male runs away again. That's it. It's a very delicate balance. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very delicate procedure. And, um, yeah, that male's got to be 100% sure that the female's really, really willing to mate, otherwise he's in big trouble. Uh, very interesting. All right, well, we're going to have to come back and talk to some more about uh, these spiders in just a moment, but uh, I think it's time to have a little break and head to a song. Uh, before we throw to a song, um, today is the 12th of April, and uh, on this day in 1888, a French newspaper mistakenly published an obituary for a famous scientist, uh, and in the obituary they called this scientist a merchant of death. Now, who are we talking about? Well, have, have a think, and uh, we'll tell you the answer to that one, who was mistakenly called a merchant of death in his own obituary back in 1888. We'll tell you that after this song, but here's Fun Machine with uh, not a peacock spider in the jungle, but Nintendo in the jungle. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle of fuzzy logic. Your science on a Sunday here on 98.3 FM, 2XX Community Radio. The time is 5 minutes to 12. It's uh, got up to 23 degrees outside. It was 20 degrees when we started the show. Oh, that was quick. It's getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, things aren't necessarily getting hot in here, but they're certainly getting interesting as we're talking about sp- peacock spiders. But before we through to that last song, I... Um, Actually, this day in science, back in 1888, a French newspaper mistakenly published the obituary of which scientist calling him a merchant of death? Ian or Eddie, do you know the answer to this one? I'm stumped. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing it's someone that develops something that can poison you or something uh, like Not quite poison you, <laughs> blow you up, in fact. Oh. It was Albert Nobel. Uh, Alfred Nobel. Where did Albert come from? Um, Alfred Nobel. Um, and... Uh, and it's it's quite interesting because he he invented dynamite, mm. um, which is obviously a, uh, a death creating thing. And he was um, uh, the the mistake was that it was actually his brother Ludwig Nobel who passed away, and so that's why the obituary is published. But upon reading this and finding that he was going to go down in history as a merchant of death, he then decided to set up the Nobel prizes. So he'd be remembered for something slightly better than dynamite. Wow. Yeah, so I think that's a, a really interesting thing about Nobel, <laughs> um, that he kind of went, well, I want to be remembered for more than just uh, dynamite. And now we have the Nobel Prizes. Anyway, let's move back into the, the here and now. And we've been talking about uh, peacock spiders today, which are these crazy little spiders, uh, only uh, about a centimetre in less, size. Less, less than five a, mil. Less than five mil in si- about five mil in size, which is just crazy, these tiny little things. And we're talking to Eddie, who um, helped discover a couple of these in Australia, in the middle of nowhere in southern Queensland. Now, discovery today, Eddie, how did you 
feel when you discovered these spiders? You said you've been driving around for a bit previously. Um, set, set the scene for us. You know, how, how many days have you been camping? We, we're about five days into our road trip and um, super disheartened at this stage <laughs> yeah. because we'd found a couple of, of peacock spiders earlier on in the trip that, we already, that were species that we'd already known about and were species that we could find back in Sydney anyway. So we kind of thought we've come all this way, we've driven all the way up into Queensland for um, for nothing. We haven't found anything new, anything... There were a few species that we knew occurred in, in Queensland that we were trying to find. We yeah. weren't on the lookout for new species in particular. Um, we were trying to find some guys that we knew should be there and we couldn't spot. Um, and it had been a really long day. We'd been lost in the bush. We'd almost run out of petrol. We were uh, in the middle of nowhere. And, and at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we drove past... Uh, we'd, the entrance to Wandle Ranges National Park and just thought it's been so awful should we should we stop in should we not I'm kind of keen to just get to a hotel and have a lie down <laughs> we decided to uh to head into this um to this national park and park the car at the border and just walked in and within about 15 metres of the entrance to the park. We're, we're right next to the car, essentially. We spotted our first spider. And we thought that... Um, we were really excited because we thought this was one of the Queensland species that was known but that we hadn't been able to find so far. But uh, once we, we caught him, we pooted him up and had him in a little vial <laughs> and had a close look and it took only moments to to realize that this was a different pattern we were seeing on his abdomen to the one that we were looking for so we knew within within 20 minutes of getting out of the car that we'd found a new species um so we went around looking for more trying to find um more to bring back into the lab so that maddie could get these guys to display and kind of video their their dances and uh and we were finding that the first species we found was sparkle muffin. We were finding him in the leaf litter. Which which scientifically is called? Uh, Moratus jactatus. Jactatus. And we and looked it up in the break? That's it. Jactatus is um, is a word, a Latin word that means rocking or jolting motion. And right. that's kind of a descriptor of one of the elements of the jactatus dance, yes. which is also, um, you should be able to find a video of that on YouTube if you look up uh peacock spider yeah. youtube um channel we're definitely going to share that channel afterwards too because there's some crazy <laughs> there's some great there. stuff on there yeah so you found you found the, the so we found jactardus or sparkle how are, muffin. how are you feeling like you've just pulled out a completely new species what does that well do it was you? amazing we we were pretty confident but we still needed to double check it so there was this kind of a hes- little bit of hesitation yeah, okay. but um but it was such a rush you know and yeah. and all of a sudden the that vigor that enthusiasm for the spider hunting came back a thousandfold and we were kind of more pumped than we had been the whole trip so far um and half an hour later we were looking around uh and i spotted something moving in this these little tufts of grass right next to the leaf litter you don't usually find peacock spiders in grasses um but i looked down and and saw this little black and white stripy guy which ended up being skeletorus um, and caught him. Now, at first, we weren't sure whether he was even a, a peacock spider. We thought he might have been some other kind of jumping spider that didn't fit into the family that we were trying to look at because he didn't have those bright colours. Yeah. Um, and that's usually the characteristic of a peacock spider. Mm-hmm. 
But um, but it turned out when they brought him back to the lab and had a close look, um, he does have the the fan that comes out. He he definitely does belong within this group. Um, it's just that he's really really unusual in being the only peacock spider that's kind of mostly black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was an amazing and that kind of really left us on a high for the rest of the trip and and we were um having a great time <laughs> it's it's not it's not every day you get to drive around the country with your best mate uh, on a on a spider hunting road trip and and contribute to yeah. scientific history finding new species it's pretty awesome feeling yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun doing that and uh I suppose um, since then uh, you've been saying that there have been a, a whole heap more species found uh, by different amateur um, entomologists. Yeah, absolutely. There are there are others that have been found all over the place. Some by um, others by by Maddie and other colleagues that she's worked with. Jürgen Otto is is the man who's any of the photos that you see of these guys online are usually um, usually Jürgen's photos. He's and he's also written a lot of the scientific descriptions of these species. So he's um, making an amazing contribution to this area at the moment. There's also um, in a Canberra local who's um, who's discovered a few new species um, in recent years. Stuart, I, if you're listening, hello. <laughs> um, so Stuart Harris is a Canberra local. I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning his name. He's found a couple of new species in the Canberra area over the last few years. One of them is um, Maratus harrisi, um, named after him, um, which was found over in... Um, uh, what was it called? The National Park? Uh, Namaji. Namaji yeah. National oh, Park, that's yeah. right. And um, and another one, Maratus calcitrans, which you can find on Black Mountain. So if you're mm. particularly keen and you want to try your luck at looking for peacock spiders, you, you should be able to find Maratus calcitrans if you go for a walk and look very, very carefully on Black Mountain, usually between the months of kind of November and... and February, well, September and February, your best bet to spot okay. these guys. So when it's getting into to when spring it's getting and a, a bit, bit warmer. warmer. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, what, what's your best tips for finding these? Because as we've, we've been saying, they're five mils. That's that's not very big to be to be spotting them. It's really not. It's really not. Um, look, the best tip is to is to have a look for um, other jumping spiders, maybe in your backyard or around the house. You see these little guys. They've got the char- characteristic. Um, eyes on the front of their head and and on the front of their face which is quite flat and they jump in this very particular motion if it's if you see a spider and it's jumping it's probably a jumping spider (laughs) and not and not some other kind of spider so once you've got your eye in for how jumping spiders move in general then that's when it's a really good time to go out into the bush and start looking for peacock spiders because if you've got that movement in your Mm. um in your memory, it's much, much easier to spot them amongst all the other creepy crawlies out there in the bush. Uh, and so jumping spiders in general are re- reasonably common in the backyard? Yeah, they're actually, they're, they're really common. You, you'll see them around the house once you start looking for them or okay. in, um, in your garden. Yeah. Um, they, they all look um, quite similar. They've got a same kind of face, so you should be able to tell that it's them. And um, they're actually the most... Um, the most common kind, the, the largest family of spider, about 13% of all spider species are ju- in the world are jumping spiders. They, the, they're called saltisids, the family. Yeah. Um, and so they're really, really widespread and, and really diverse and they do some really cool things. And most, uh, basically all of them, are the cute kind of spider. If you're put <laughs> off by really like scary-looking <laughs> spiders with long legs and kind of shiny black 
um, hairy bodies, you know, you, you'll probably like jumping spiders more than <laughs> more than your standard house spider. Mm. Uh. <laughs> they definitely are super cute uh, things, and in fact, like they're so cute, they they've caused a bit of an internet sensation. That's right, uh, they're so, taken so off. They <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, look when when you do see something completely out of the ordinary, you know, spider that is super cool. It's 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 going to catch your eye. What sort of things have you seen um, people posting about peacock spiders? Well, I was blown away. It was about. Uh, two or three years ago that we first discovered that Maddie and I discovered these two new species Um, but just in the last uh, six weeks or so they've kind of gone viral on the internet Sparkle Muffin and Skeletorus in particular Mm. I think there was a media release put out which which helped to to move that along a little bit but they've been picked up by um, by all sorts of um, uh, different websites news websites and by National Geographic and so they've been passed around the internet a bit and that means that we're starting to see a a few really weird things coming out. Um, someone has got a, a huge tattoo of Sparkle Muffin on their thigh, <laughs> and and shared that with with Jürgen Otto, who was who's uh, who I mentioned earlier, and so he's put that up online. So uh, so you should be able to see that one. Uh, There's also. Um, uh, so it's fantastic. I've just it found is. That, that photo of the tattoo. <laughs> They've done a good job at, at getting a lot of the features anatomically correct. They've got the spinnerets up on display on the end of the abdomen. Those are the silk it's... spinning appendages that, that Sparkle Muffin waves around during his courtship dance. Mm, and some amazing colours on that abdomen yeah, there. That's and right. They've got the colours just right. It's almost like those old school mum tattoos with the, the <laughs> written on a piece of ribbon, except it says Sparkle Muffin instead with this spider sitting on its web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty fantastic. And so, uh, apart from tattoo, what else? There's been a um, a bikini made using uh, w- where the print of the fabric is the um, the design f- the the pattern from the back of a peacock spider abdomen. Not sparkle muffin that one. It's a, a different species of peacock spider, but they've used that beautiful um, colouring as the as the basis of this fabric for bikinis. So, uh, you know, look, if you love these spiders, after seeing some pictures and you you want to wear them around this summer, you can, <laughs> you can get on board. Uh, it, is, it is. It makes a really nice bikini pattern there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't quite know. I mean, it, unfortunately, I'm just disappointed it doesn't stick up and waggle like the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the yeah, spider muffin does. Yeah, you, you might need to make a little homemade attachment to get the fan <laughs> to stick up. Yeah. Uh. Um, yeah, no, but it, it's a, it's amazing that people have really taken to these spiders and, and it shows just how charismatic they are. They're really gorgeous little creatures, but um, it, it's it's great that, that these guys are getting so much attention, but it just goes to show that if you, if you start paying enough attention to a bunch of other, any kind of um, smaller animals out there in the world, chances are you can be involved in this discovery process and, and be involved in... Um, in finding new species or, or helping to get on board in, in um, helping scientists to collect data about where these guys mm. are found and their numbers and that kind of stuff. So, you know, peacock spiders are getting a lot of attention because they're so cute at the moment, but uh, there's a whole lot of less cuddly, less cute um you know critters out there that that aren't getting the same attention and and there's probably a whole bunch of them that are kind of gray and nondescript looking that aren't aren't discovered aren't cataloged um aren't known to science yeah 
That kind of um, brings up a good point that I remembered when I worked at CSIRO because I was there at the time. It made a lot of media attention when they named a horsefly after Beyonce. Do you guys remember that? (laughs) So it was also a North Queensland local. And the reason they named it um, after Beyonce was because it had a glamorous golden lower abdomen. And I'll show... um, I'll show you guys the picture because I can. But as you can see, it's <laughs> nice got a, golden a beautiful golden bum. And there was um, a time there where Beyonce famously wore a, a gold dress, I believe. And so that's where they got the Beyonce link from. So its species name is Scaptia Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, Cyro knew that that was going to grab, grab some attention. And just doing a quick search of the Beyonce fly on my iPhone and it got a lot of hits. <laughs> so obviously it, it's um, now well known and I believe Beyonce um, declined to comment on it when she was told that a fly was named after her. So um, yeah, that's another interesting one that I thought <laughs> where, about the naming and it's another North Queensland local as well. So yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I have heard that the, uh, the most likely place you are to find a new species in general is your own backyard because there are so many bugs sitting out there just waiting to be discovered um, and I, I, that's actually one of my fondest memories um, as, a, as a kid of my, my early science days was going out with the little bug catcher yeah. in the backyard I had one of the ones with the tiny little magnifying glass on there yeah I remember those Yeah, and I found um, a little uh, black uh, larva type thing um, at one stage that I took into school and we tried to classify and <laughs> um, and then at uh, 1.2 we had to bring in a moth from home as well that we were going to classify in science class and this was in grade 3 or 4 um, I think it was and um, and my moth we couldn't find in any of the books that we had um, oh. and I was so excited they actually sent it off to the museum um, and eventually they found that it was a, it was a species of moth that was known um, <laughs> but it just made me so excited <laughs> to think that my little moth that we caught inside the house was, a, was an uncommon moth that, that, that had to be classified at the museum that's fantastic yeah. well that's, that's the thing though if you do think that you may have found something new or at least you found some kind of specimen that you can't spot on the internet um, it's really good to hang on to it but before you send it off to the museum you can um, go to the Atlas of Living Australia which is a project that's um, being run in collaboration by you know by the government and a whole bunch of museums um, and universities in collaboration around Australia mm. they've got an app that you can download on your smartphone where you can take photos of, of animals um, Uh, that you've spotted in your local area you can put a little gps pinpoint so that they can know where you found it and if it looks like something that you know you don't know how to classify i think there's some function on the app for you to send it off so that someone can have a look at the photos and try to put a name to it and um and maybe if no one can name it that way that's when you could send in the specimen to your to your nearest museum and get someone to have Mm. a look at it that's fantastic yeah it's a nice thing to get involved in yeah yeah i used to um i used to work for the atlas of living australia actually and um that app isn't just about finding new species but it's also like um broad was saying with with just getting excited about science also what that app is supposed to do is sort of tell us what species are around your neighborhood so even if you go outside and you see a magpie in your backyard like take a photo of that pinpoint it and say there's a magpie in, in, a, in my backyard and sure it's a common species but it's good to know that 
these species are out there, how many there are, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's a great project, isn't yeah, it? I love absolutely. that, Lots of Living Australia And it's project. probably really helpful in, in tracking um, the, dis- the range of these species over time too. If You know, it would be really handy to to be able to use that data to see whether you know there are species that are shifting in range or or whether they're mm. disappearing or becoming more common it's yeah and it's putting fantastic. my conservationist hat on it's also good from a a wildlife management point of view if you actually find a non-native species mm. um to be able to tell the governments about that so we can actually try and protect our native species more so even if you spot things like foxes and wild cats um cane and toads. indian moon miners and cane toads of course yeah it's all really good stuff to know because obviously with cane toads we don't want them coming down further south or going further across into north north northern territory as well which is starting to happen mm. which is really scary it is <laughs> yes yeah i've seen toads over in uh, kananara and up the top of wa there they really are spreading oh, out yeah, further and further yeah. yeah it's just very worrying but yeah it's i think that's a fantastic thing you know again it's that citizen science that we were talking about before that uh, everyone can and share their own little bit and make their own contribution to a uh, what's out there which is just fantastic um i'm actually i'm going to share atlas of living australia on our facebook page so if you're not involved with them make sure you check them out um it is an app for your smartphones isn't it um that you can download yeah i think you can also go to the website and the website and it's just given me an idea for a show i'm going to try get john lasalle who's the director of atlas of living australia on our show in the next couple of weeks and see if we can talk more about it yeah yeah we can find out more about what the atlas is achieving and yeah that sounds like a fantastic show. Will you have to keep us updated for that one, Ian? I will, we can yeah. get him on. I'll, I'll work on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we might throw to a song to give you the opportunity to work on it. Um, <laughs> but what you do, I've got another question for you, folks. Uh, on this day, April 12, back in 1961, uh, the first man orbited the Earth. Now, you might know his name quite easily, but what was the name of his spacecraft that he went around the Earth in? I'm going to tell you after this song from Goche, here is somebody that I used to know. You're listening to Fuzzy Logic right here on 2XX Community Radio. It's 19 past 12. Broderick in the studio with Ian and Eddie. And today we've been talking about the peacock spider and the amazing discovery of it, which uh, I think is pretty amazing. Oh, but before I do that, um, I asked you a question before we went to that song, didn't I? On this day in 1961, the first man orbited the Earth. What was his name and what was the name of his spacecraft? Now, I'm assuming you guys can probably tell me his name. I cannot. You cannot? No, oh, no. is it the, the Russian cosmonaut? You're talking to biologists over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, well, on this day in 1961, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, as I stumble across his name, Yuri Gagarin, <laughs> I've got it wrong again, Yuri Gagarin, there we go, um, became the first man to orbit the Earth, and he did so in his spacecraft Vostok 1. Um, that was the name of that one. Um, and it had uh, radio, television, and life support equipment to relay information on his condition back to Earth. Mm. It was actually an automated flight, so uh, Gagarin's controls were locked uh, to prevent him t- from taking the control of the ship, um, although a, kill in a, a, kill, a key in a sealed envelope was provided in case of emergency. Um, wow, that's <laughs> cause, scary. Because that's what you want to do when things are going wrong. <laughs> you want to find the envelope and open that to take control. Um, after 
re-entry, uh, Gagarin ejected and made a planned descent with his own parachute. Um, however, for many years, the Soviet Union denied this because the flight would not have been recognised for various FAI world records unless the pi- pilot had accompanied his craft to landing. How interesting. Ooh. There you go. So uh, various FAI world records... Uh, weren't necessarily there but he definitely was the first man to orbit the earth back in 1961 and it was just what, eight years after that that uh, we were landing on the moon in mm. 1969 so crazy mm. stuff there um also something else interesting that happened on this day in 1955 uh, the salk vaccine against polio was announced to work and be safe effective and potent after a year-long field trial uh, so that was announced um at a, at a press conference in the US um, and uh, also on the an- 10th anniversary of the death of Franklin Roosevelt who was the US president who was a victim of polio. So yeah, so 55 was when the polio vaccine, one of the first real big vaccines that mm. had a, a really obvious effect on the population when polio was literally crippling people left, right and centre. Um, and finally on this day in 1994 was the first internet spamming program. Um, it was actually used by an attorney in Arizona who developed a program using a simple Perl script that flooded message boards, uh, which was basically what the internet was in 1994, um, flooded message board readers with a notice for the green card lottery, trying to solicit business for his own le- law firm um, there. Interestingly, what do you think the reaction was from the online community? They probably would have fell for it, right? I guess. Oh, no, they just got angry at him. (laughs) (laughs) They were critical, just like we are of spam now. Um, They were critical. Thousands of recipients complained, but it did start the burgeoning business of unsolicited mass internet advertising known as spam. Final trivia question, where did the term spam come from? I was just wondering that. And Does it have anything to do with the, the tinned spam meat? It does, but indirectly. Mm. I'm not sure. Not no. sure. There's a there's a fantastic song called Spam, 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 which is Monty Python's Flying Circus, <laughs> where uh, the uh, in in the skit where a waitress offers a menu full of variations of spam to the unwilling patron, and that's where the internet nerds have pulled it from <laughs> because, of course, unwilling people being offered random things is a bit like the spam song there. So if you haven't seen the spam skit, check it out because that's where internet spam originally came from. All right. We, we were talking about discoveries, though, today, and that might be a new discovery for some of you. <laughs> um, but we've been talking about tiny little discoveries um, and Eddie and her amazing work with uh, her great friend, whose name I've forgotten. Maddie. Maddie, thank you, um, discovering Sparkle Muffin and Skeletorus, two amazing new species of peacock spider. Um, but this week... Um, a new species of dinosaur has been discovered. Although I say new, but it's what's old is new again because it's the <laughs> Brontosaurus. Um, the Brontosaurus initially, when it was discovered, um, was uh, was discovered as a, a long-necked dinosaur in 1870, described by U.S. paleontologist uh, Charles Marsh, and. Uh, 
I was discovered with a, another large, long-necked dinosaur, and when it was first reconstructed, the skeleton was reconstructed wrongly um, using the head of another long-necked dinosaur, the Camarasaurus. Um, and so they basically put a head on a different body and thought they had a whole new dinosaur. And uh, that wasn't quite the case. Um, but... And so then the Brontosaurus, who was initially classified, was then kicked out. It was said, no, oh. you're not a dinosaur, I'm afraid. Even though that name seems to have stuck for I quite a while. I remember the day I heard that it, it ruined the movie The Land Before Time <laughs> for me forever. <laughs> I thought I'd love Brontosauruses, and I was so disappointed. It was like when they decided that Pluto wasn't a real well, planet. The, the, the funny thing is you say that. Because the the Land Before Time came out, which was when you were a kid, which was well after the early 1900s, I believe, Eddie. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually in 1903 that the decision was made to kick Brontosaurus out and, and say that it wasn't a real dinosaur. For real? Yet, yet, yeah, wow. yet somehow it just got stuck in the public's imagination. Um, and it wasn't until uh, the 1970s um, that... Uh, they um, found that uh, the Apatosaurus uh, was not closely related to the Camarasaurus, which was the head, and um, it was actually related to the Diplodocus in there, and it all got quite complicated. <laughs> uh, but, but just recently, they've done a survey, and paleontologists from the UK and Portugal have conducted a con comprehensive survey of about 81 specimens of the uh, Diplodocidae superfamily of large long-necked dinosaurs, which includes the Diplodocus, the Apatosaurus, and now, once again, the Brontosaurus. Hey. It's back. <laughs> it's back. It was published, and um, they've found that it is... Uh, you are able to classify the dinosaur um, as a genus on its own rather than as an apatosaurus, which is uh, fantastic to know, and I'm sure that'll make watching The Land Before Time much, <laughs> much better for you. I'll have to go back and re-watch it in celebration, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it actually reminded me, you know, we were talking about discoveries and you discovered your bugs in... in uh, your bugs, your spiders. arachnids. Spiders, yeah, yes, you. in uh, southern Queensland. And um, a couple of years ago, I visited a place of discovery out out in western Queensland at a place called Richmond, um, which is uh, somewhere between Mount Isa and uh, Charters Towers um, in the middle of nowhere. But it's, it's a place where many new fossils, dinosaur fossils, are being discovered. Um, and uh, one of the most recent ones was in November of last year when a, a seven-year-old girl discovered the bones of a 100-million-year-old extinct ichthyosaur platyterygeus australis. So ichthyosaur being a massive underwater um uh a dinosaur yeah. <laughs> like a, a dolphin with teeth with type. lots of rose oh, yeah with lots of really sharp teeth right that's right that's right and this this uh find um i beg your pardon in july last year not november it was reported in november um included a 1.5 meter long skull with six centimeter teeth and vertebrae um, and this was at one of the the free fossil digging sites that they have out um, in Richmond um, they have a massive museum there which is called Chronosaurus Corner which is a, a fantastic place to visit and it has um, one of uh, it has an amazing fossil of a Chronosaurus which is yeah. another underwater animal and the Pliosaur um, which is a, another big big underwater creature and all these amazing fossils but this one just discovered recently by this seven year old girl and her family who are yeah. out there digging um, and uh, the professional paleontologists uh, 
uh, said was completely stunned the resident paleontologist there and it said you know some people spend their entire career trying to find a fossil of this quality and it took the wilson family with this seven-year-old girl just a few hours <laughs> do you think they're going to let this seven-year-old girl have naming rights to the does she get to give her own nickname to the species uh, she might be able to. It wasn't an entirely new species. It wasn't species, a new species. So ah, okay. it was already it was just classified. a new specimen. Yeah, so yeah. It, was a, it was a new specimen of the Ichthyosaur uh, Platyterygius uh, australis. Uh, okay. There. Yeah. So it's uh, a shame. She, I'd like to see what a seven year old would come up with for a new dinosaur. It would be pretty cool. Um, she didn't bring the whole thing out herself, though, because the specimen overall is about 400 kilos. Oh. Uh, so it took about <laughs> nine people to lift that one. Um, but now on display at Chronosaurus Corner. So if you do happen to be going up to Queensland, you can head to the southern corner to try and find some peacock spires, or you can head out <laughs> west and try and find some dinosaurs. Um, or if you want to discover some uh, some mini dinosaurs a bit closer to home this week, there are a few opportunities for to do your own science. There's bird watching for beginners. Of course, birds descend from dinosaurs, so you know it's kind of like <laughs> discovering dinosaurs. Um, that's happening at uh, the ANU at the Anthony Lowe Building um, on uh, Tuesday the 14th of April from 11 till 12. Um, email anugreen at anu.edu.au for more details or to RSVP and reply. Or if you uh, want to discover some things that are out of this world, uh, Mount Stromlo, our fantastic observatory, is uh, having a uh, walking tour this week uh, on uh, Saturday the 18th of April from 10 till 11.30. Bookings are essential. You can make them through Eventbrite. Just head to Eventbrite and search for Mount Stromlo and you'll be able to book in for a magnificent walking tour up there, which is just beautiful scenery. I reckon it's a great place to explore. But that just about wraps it up for another show. It's uh, 12.30, which means we should probably hand over. But uh, thanks very much for coming in today, Eddie, and uh, sharing your peacock spider experiences. Thanks for having me. It's been lots of fun. I recommend you guys check out the spiders on the Fuzzy Logic Facebook page. They're pretty spectacular. I'd like to know what you think. That's right, that's right. They are amazing, colourful creatures and, uh, yeah, definitely need to see them to believe it. (laughs) And thanks very much for joining us too, No worries. Thank you. See you next time. Definitely. And thank you, listeners, for joining us right here on Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday. We'll be back next week here on 98.3 FM from 11.30, so why don't you tune in again then?